welcome to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione coming off of a packed cornhole weekend and going into another one. Two back-to-back opens, so so much to talk about. We've also got some conferences that happen that we'll talk about in news around the league. We've got buy or sell, and we've got contender or pretender, a game we haven't done in a minute, so bringing it back. Uh, lots of good stuff to get into. Anthony, I'll start with you. How was your weekend? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mish. I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, good weekend. Yeah, a lot, a lot of more basketball. Uh, little man was in art class on, we're at a week, so it was last Monday. Actually, as soon as we got off the show. Actually, during the show, my phone was buzzing, and I'm like just ignoring it, ignoring it. And then I took a peek like when we were about three quarters of the way through the show and, and little man was like, I'm bleeding all over the place. Someone answer their phone. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit. So I'm like texting in the middle of our recording like to uh, to Danny, you know, my wife going, hey, will you see what the heck is going on? Uh, he was in art class and they're using Zacco knives, cutting cardboard. And he literally just hacked off a section of his finger. Like it's like the meat, the nail, kind of everything went with it. So it was oh. just like his it doesn't have that kind of, uh, you know, fingernail. Thank you crescent, for the details. Crescent, crescent shape anymore. It just kind of like, there's like a straight side to it. This is what you get for asking Anthony first. If it yeah, was yeah, that's right. Was. That's this the last time not, she's going to ask me. Not, I just ate Anthony. I mean, come on. So as you know, we're, uh, we're in basketball gym seven days a week. So I'm like, Ooh, this is going to put him out for a week or so. I'm not sure he's going to be good with that. Yeah, no. So uh, he had a basketball game Wednesday night. Um, so two days later, you know, and by this point he's, you know, we're just trying to just keeping it clean, keeping it wrapped. It's got this big old wrap on there. So he played in his game on Wednesday. He, he t- tapes two fingers together like Dennis Rodman style back in the day, you know, the bulls, he's got his uh, ring and middle finger taped together with gauze all over it. Little shit put up 20 points with, with one hand. <laughs> when you're good, so. you're good. So we just he just kept playing. We just kept just keeping it padded up and played this weekend. They won a tournament this weekend, so it's it's nonstop. That's nuts. That's you know Rome actually had a jujitsu competition this weekend. Uh, there was like twenty three kids in his bracket. Uh, he didn't place, but um, we couldn't be there. We had to run a cornhole tournament. It, it's was awful. Like to send oh. him to like Stockton with another one of the like with the team basically with the other kids and. Yeah, it's just it was bummer not to be there. That's really tough. But um, I, apparently he fought hard. They just he told me they were fast. That's why I said. I said, what happened? He's like, all the kids were so fast. Mom. I was yeah. like, OK, but it's really fun to watch them do their thing. And uh, sad when you have to miss it for sure. Trey, anything exciting, Dad? Uh, best man in the wedding for a first time. That was fun. Oh, oh yeah. We Who's had this, you had the bachelor party and now you had the wedding. Who's this groom? Yeah, a uh, buddy of mine that I grew up with literally since uh, fourth grade. So we did the math, 21 years. So um, it was, it, yeah, it was really cool. It was, it was a cool wedding, um, cool experience just to be a part of all that. And had my speech, got, I, got, I got compliments on my speech, so I didn't screw it up. Like I oh. put a lot of effort into it. Hey. So. Not surprising. No, me, yeah, I'm not, not surprising. Prepa- like I'm not a preparing guy, right? And yeah, I that's true. This, like. I watched a lot like, of videos. Well, yeah, I didn't want to write like uh, I like did a lot of research because like so many people critique like the best man speech. Like it has to be good, right? I mean, like wait, and- let me get a let me get a measure of unprepared. Is it like Bernie Neighbors unprepared or like Michelle Thompson unprepared? <laughs> no, 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 I was prepared. I said what I'm saying is I prepared 
more so than I ever do. You know me, oh, I don't okay. do any prep work. And so like, <laughs> I actually sat there and like watched videos and like learned how to, you know, talk about certain thoughts. It was good. It was good. Yeah. And then I did the conference, this uh, Carolina conference on Sunday. So it was a busy weekend for me. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Well, and uh, it was a busy weekend. We had our third open in Tiverton, Rhode Island on November 10th through 12th. Our singles winner was Mark Richards, second place Fisher Hamilton in doubles, Gavin Cano and Caleb Batson for first and Kyle Malone and Devin Harbaugh for second. Uh, so really, really uh, awesome to watch. I got to see most of it, except for when I was running the tournament on Saturday. Uh, Trey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I got to take a second here and talk about what Mark Richards did on Sunday. Um, because I do not think, when you pull it in a full statistical perspective, I don't think people can under, like fully grasp, grasp what he did. Okay? Um, he, he goes the entire tournament. He goes, not, well, first of all, let's talk about what he accomplished. First, he accomplished, he is now standalone third all-time. In ACL titles. Yep. He has passed Trey Birchfield and no longer broke. He no longer tied with Trey Birchfield. He has 16 titles. He is three short of Jamie Graham, four short of Matt Guy. He now has six open singles titles. Dude. The second most open single titles is three. He has doubled. <laughs> The second place number of open singles titles. Which would be, I think, Alex Hicks. They both put up three in the same season, right? There's actually three people that have three. Okay. That guy, Alex Hicks, and... Uh, Someone else. Yeah. Else. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe okay. um, Now, having said all that, let's talk about what he did on that particular day. Okay? 9-0. and Didn't lose a game all day long. He throws a 10.28 tournament PPR, a tournament 1.29 DPR. That is insane. Okay. That is insane right there. 45% four baggers. His average points allowed per game across the entire tournament, 5.7. Okay. Then if you what? say fine, Trey, but look at look at who he played at the beginning. Like, look, whatever. Fine. Throw out his first three games in which he had a combined points allowed per game of like one. Okay. So let's throw it out and only look at who he played as pro players. So he plays Mike Ferreira, Moses Sazueta, Tony Smith twice, twice, Caleb Batson. And Fisher Hamilton is that high enough standards for everybody on this uh, on this uh, podcast here? Okay, across those, all of those combined, his points allowed per game was seven point eight. That's insane. The best players in the world, Mark Richards, made look absolutely silly. The guy, I one of the greatest performances I think I've ever seen when you look at it from a statistics perspective. Yes, we talk about the Jamie Graham run that he went through at the World Championships, not understating that. Incredible feat. But from a pure statistics and domination perspective, I can't remember I the last time I saw someone who had to go through this type of gauntlet and did it in this type of way. It was, you know, uh, truly... Honestly, completely mind-boggling to me. So you know what? 
that's all my thoughts on singles. Anthony can have the rest. I don't need to talk about anybody else <laughs> because Mark Richards, what he just did this weekend was stupid. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. Go ahead, Misha. I, I agree. Go ahead, Anthony. What are you going to add to that? I was just going to say that the stat that sticks out to me the most in that, those were all amazing stats, but the DPR and what we typically see is someone with an elevated DPR, typically they lose early in the first, first uh, or in the in the winter side. And what happens is, is they'll drop down to the loser's bracket and they usually have a three, two or three game run where they're playing really low quality players. And they're able to really pad that DPR because they're winning 21-1, 21-2, 21-3 because you have a high seed going down and playing really low seeds for a while. In this case, Mark Richards never lost. So he's playing winners every single time. And to maintain a 1.29 or whatever you said, DPR 1.2 and change DPR through the entire winner's bracket is extra insane to me. And just to kind of put that in perspective, we're talking pro highs of 0.7.8. So when you have a 1.29, if you're pushing 1.3, you're getting close to doubling a stat that is really difficult to maintain. That's pretty amazing. But yeah, I'm the go ahead, me. Sorry, I think you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say, yeah, as much as I love talking about Mark Richards, let's talk about some of the other players that were, were doing well that day. Yeah, so uh, I thought it might be fun just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, I actually have the brackets live in me. I just kind of want to talk and let it be kind of fluid. Then we can talk about some other things other than just bracket winners. Um, but I'm looking here at bracket A. This is the one that Jacob Trzinski takes down. Uh, again, this is the singles event. And who who matches him in the uh, king seat is Ethan Walker. And I talked a little bit earlier in the season about Ethan Walker potentially being a breakout player of the year. I compared him somewhat to Tony Smith only because they both finished their rookie season like in that high 40. Uh, Tony Smith was like a 49 finish in his rookie season, and now he's obviously one of the best players in the world. Ethan Walker finishing right around that same spot, a 49, and I think he has the ability to break out and really move up in the ranks. But what really caught my eye here, and there were some players we were breaking down last week talking about who we want to watch. Who didn't Ethan Walker have to go through to get to that king seat match? Frank Verona. We talk about all of these rookies, right? Um, you know, your Jeremiah Ellis's, Caden Allen's, Sammy Soto's. We don't really mention Frank Verona very much. And I said this last week or the week before. Keep an eye on this, this Frank Verona guy. Maybe he's not the top five that we're talking about, but I think he has the ability to be an amazing rookie. Um, and to get to that match, he had to go through top players like a Matty McBride, a Logan, uh, uh, is it Dupler or Dupler? And I think we might talk a little bit about this one. I think he's the kid. Is he the kid that beat Braden Wilson in the juniors final? Do you guys know? So. Yes. Yeah, he yeah, won. I, th I think he was. And if it's the same kid I'm thinking about, I'm going to go back to Worlds and I'm sitting there. We're, we're just on the main main uh, floor. Um, I'm just kind of shooting the shit with Ryan Smith. And he points over to this little kid uh, and he goes, yeah, so that kid whooped my ass in a, in a recent regional or conference. And I'm like, who? And he points to this kid that I've never seen before, you know, five foot nothing, you know, kind of a bowl cut long hair. And I'm like, that kid right there? And I think it was Logan Dupler, Dupler, whatever his last name is. So watch out for that kid as well. Um, looking to the other side, you know, we talk about Jacob Trzinski. And if I looked at our top 10 from, um, from last week, I don't think Jacob was in either one of our top 10s, but he goes through a Ryan Smith. Um, he goes through Cameron D'Ambrosia, Cameron D'Ambrosia making a pretty good run. Want to mention him as well. And if we look at the, uh, uh, that loser side, Ryan Smith, always showing up late, but gets beat by Frank Verona. Frank Verona comes up to the losers final and who does he beat? 
Ethan Walker. So we got Frank Verona versus Jacob Trzinski in that bracket final. I don't think any one of us would have picked Frank Verona making it to an open singles final. So watch out for that kid. If I go on to bracket B, let's see. This is uh, this is Mark Richards' bracket. And you mentioned it, Trey, about Tony Smith. I just wanted to make this quick point. If I went back to last week uh, or maybe two weeks ago when we did our singles power rankings, you had Tony Smith at one, Mark Richards at three. Here's an open where Mark Richards double dips Tony Smith. Trey, what do you think about this power ranking where you had Tony one, Mark Richards three? Does that maybe sway your power ranking a little bit right now? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Put him up there. Uh, I don't need, I look, I don't need excuse. I, I don't need extra motivation to put Mark Richards at number one. Like you literally the least amount of things that you need to happen for me to put Mark Richards one, I will follow that. So if Mark Richards wins a regional next week, you know, he'd probably, probably want to put him at number one anyway. So, I mean, uh, I'm good with it. Yeah. And I was in the same boat. I had Tony Smith ahead of Mark Richards, you know, and, and again, I think we were both saying the same thing. It's like one, two, three. I mean, these guys could, it's splitting hairs, right? They could end up in any order, but we did commit to, you know, Tony Smith over Mark Richards. And here's a chance where he beats him twice in the same tournament. So obviously I think uh, that is significant. Let me just kind of get back to that bracket a little bit. Um, Tony Smith. So that was the King seat. They, uh, Tony Smith loses, drops down. And I actually mentioned this one on the last episode as well, or two episodes when we talked about this one, Jeff Reynolds making a run. You know, I talked about Jeff Reynolds as an OG and, would love to see this guy make a run, and I think he has the talent to do it. Jeff Reynolds making it to the loser's final. He was one game away. Uh, he ends up losing that one 22-10, to 10. but if Jeff Reynolds gets that win, we see him in an open bracket final against Mark Richards, which would have been really, uh, really fun as well. Moses Sasueta making a run down their loser. He was a couple games away from a final. Felix Vargas, uh, who we've talked about in the past, making a run as well there in bracket B. Uh, bracket C, Fisher Hamilton winning that one. I got to mention Gage Landis. Uh, Gage Landis was gas in the beginning of this tournament. If I go back and look at his first maybe four matches, this kid, and we know that he's a, he's a uh, talented, dirty player, he was putting up high 10 PPRs per round. I think he had one that was close to an 11 over like 30-something rounds, but he was throwing absolute gas going through Berkeley pair 29-4. to four. He takes down a high PPR game in Mark Burgess. Give Mark Burgess some props. I mentioned him when we were breaking down teams. I said, hey, Mark Burgess, you're a high PPR guy with a lot of talent. You need to pick up that strength. In the, he's in the bottom part of his team, and here he is, and he put up amazing numbers. I mean, if I look at that match against him and Gage, they both threw a 10 in that match, and Gage kind of getting the nod there. Uh, who does Gage Landis also go through? Gavin Cano to get to the king seat where he played Fisher Hamilton. And then he drops down and has to fight Gavin Cano again. We continue to see Gavin Cano. You know, I feel like it was Jordan Power who was always like second, 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 second. I feel like Gavin Cano is that next guy who is just always right there, like one win away from a big tournament uh, victory. Um, so watch out for Gavin Cano. Obviously, he's a, he's, he's a big talent. But yeah, if we go to that loser's final or the uh, actual final Hamilton just crushes. Uh, Fisher Hamilton wins his bracket, crushes Jacob Trzinski in the first round. So we get this Hamilton-Mark uh, Richards matchup. And I love the fact that we got Mark Richards versus Caleb Batson. Uh, again, if we go back to our power rankings, I put Caleb Batson as my number one player uh, in, in the league next year. 
And here's why. If you look at Caleb Batson's statistics, just like you did Mark Richards, he was awful also off the charts in doubles and singles. He was up 11 to zip in that match against Mark Richards. And that was it. Those were the last points he scored. And Mark Richards went on a run. And if you look at how the point scoring happened and just the way that the game went, you got Caleb Batson taking timeouts to try and gather himself, trying to get back mentally in the game. He just had a really tough round. I want to say he gave up like a six, and then it was just kind of downhill from there. He couldn't get back into it mentally. It went like six, five, five, or something crazy to end the the uh, the match where he just gave up a lot of big points, and Mark Richards took that one down. But Caleb Batson showing why he was in the top of the power rankings for us as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, it was. I remember there was the one round, and I thought, man, if he didn't have that round, that could have been a totally different outcome. It felt, it felt like he couldn't quite get it back after that, which was a bummer to see, but uh, very impressive. All right, let's go ahead and uh, do we want to get into doubles? <laughs> Maybe just briefly touch on doubles. We could do yeah, these bracket agree. breakdowns for hours, and I think it would be <laughs> fun, but it is tough to consolidate uh, into a couple minutes. <laughs> I know, I know. Ahead, I, I, just quick, quick thought on on doubles is that I think Gavin Cano is starting to emerge at like. He started getting the conversation of like an elite level, like best player in the world type of player in doubles. Now the issue is when you put him with Fisher Hamilton, so many people forget how good Gavin is. It's kind of like Trzinski syndrome, right? Where it's like you forget that Trzinski is still a really, really good player. But the problem is when you pair him with, you know, Tony Smith last year, it gets overshadowed. Only other thing worth mentioning is like I kept like, Tony Smith and Mark Richards, again, they just feel like they're right there. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, the good news is for Kyle Malone and Devin Harbaugh, they're starting to play like the team that we were hoping that they're going to play. And this is going to be a great year, I think, for Devin Harbaugh because the first time in a very long time, he's going to have an opportunity to have a really dominating doubles partner with him. And this team could be very, very scary. Totally agree. Anthony, anything to add? Ah, man, there's so much I want to add. I, I mean, if I'm looking at some of the brackets here, how about how about Moses Asweta and Braden Wilson taking down Adam Hisner and Trey Birchfield in, in the uh, King seat match and then ultimately winning it? How about Jimmy Humans and Brady Foster making it to the championship going through Adam Hisner and Trey Birchfield? There's two committed pro partnerships going head-to-head in the loser's final where we would have picked Adam Hister and Trey Burstfield to win that one. They were both in our top 10 uh, doubles rankings. Humans and Foster were like around 20 for me. And they end up winning it. Man, I could talk so much more about that bracket. If I went on to the next bracket, how about Matthew Stout and Travis Graven making a run? Making it to the king seat match. Who did they go through? They went through Hunter Thorne and Fisher Hamilton. Marked down a win for Matthew Stout and Travis Graven there. They went through Grindersleeve and Caleb Medenko, who was my hot take. That didn't last very long, but they made a little bit of a run. It was fun while it lasted, Trey. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to mention those guys. Gosh, there's so much I want to talk about here, Mish, but I guess I got to let it go. (laughs) Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner were not in my power rankings. They weren't. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it now. They they didn't make either one of our top tens. Good call, Trey. Nope. All right, news around the league. We had the Carolina Conference event, as Trey mentioned, in singles. Jacob Gore took that one down. Doubles, Jordan Kimbrell and Dawson Manuel. In the Mid-South Conference event in singles, Matt Guy won that one in doubles. Corey Morrison and Austin Slobom. And then there was the Badgerland Regional in singles. Steven Bertisette took the win. And in doubles, Nico Morales and Ryan Windsor 
uh, any thoughts about uh, any of those conferences or regional, Trey? I know what Trey's going to yeah. say. Yeah, he's going to say Jacob Gore is a really good cornhole player. <laughs> yeah, he's like hot take. Man, I mean, a couple, a couple things. Like uh, one, that Badgerland was like a really big event. That's the only reason we're we're talking about it. Like, there's a lot of really good players there, so it's not to be underrated. But yeah, I was at the conference event. Um, one, Jordan Kimbrell, man, that guy, he's just so underrated. Like, right? I don't. You had, you had Jamie Graham, Frank Maudlin, Jack Gore, Jake Gore, Derek Holland, and Jordan Kimbrell wins the whole, I mean, wins the whole thing in doubles with an elite player. Right. Like, he, he didn't do it with another pro. I mean, like we had, oh, and we had Jordan Power there. So it was Jordan Power's debut at the Carolina conference. Mm-hmm. He actually played really well. His two losses, like just maybe a weird off game, but like. Jordan held his own. I thought Jordan played really, really well, which, I mean, you would expect, but I mean, it's a different vibe, different conference, but yeah, it's hard for me not to look at Jake Gore and just say he kind of steals the show. I mean, he's just got every shot. It's amazing how, um, what the thing that impressed me the most about Jake Gore is that he's so emotional that you expect when things get hard he, he just falls off a cliff, but there were so many times where he'll get mad and he'll get frustrated, but he does have this ability to, when he walks up to throw the next bag, it's gone. It's, it's like, he knows how to be upset for a very short amount of time. And then he just gets rid of it. And I think that's something that's so difficult to do. And that makes him so successful. So yeah, I, I say, you know, Jake Gore is, is still going to be right there at the end at a lot of these events again this year. I expect him to be close to a top 10 player again. But, uh, yeah, and then Jordan Kimbrell just needs to get more love because the guy can th- – he, he lost to Jake Gore in the final. And, I mean, it was 12-12 at one point. So, I mean, he got a chance. Man, Jacob Gore has got some emotional intelligence for a kid. I mean, to be able to process emotions in the moment and get rid of them, like – Adults can't do that, you know, now. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Anthony, hey, Nish, anything? That, yeah, that's actually a good lead-in. You just kind of, when you said that, you triggered my mind. Because if we go back three years ago, we were all looking at, a, at a, the Gore twins, Jacob Gore and Jackson Gore, and saying, we're a little nervous about them having that emotional intelligence. We were nervous about putting these kids on ESPN, you know. And now when they're 9 and 10, there's a lot of emotions, you know, there's kicking over of scoreboards, maybe some crying after events. I mean, the last thing that you want is to have a kid crushed on an ESPN broadcast after a loss and be showing that anger or emotion, however it comes out. So props to those boys who have really leveled up those emotional intelligence and have really impressed me because I was a little nervous about when they were coming into the league, but what we had seen in the past. So good job to those guys. But yeah, on the uh, on the the uh, Badgerland Regional, that that's that tournament was stacked with a lot of players. And if I remember correctly, Nico and Ryan won this thing last season. So I want to say that's back to back. But I'm super proud of Stephen Bernisset. If you don't know Stephen Bernisset on a personal level, just a good human being. I mean, this is a guy who is when you talk to, he stares you in the eyes, and there's just this calmingness about him. Uh, no aggression, just. You almost feel like you can tell the guy anything. Um, And the guy is grinding at his game. You know, we're talking about a player that went from, you know, full-time job to full-time cornhole last season. So now we're starting to see him win a big event like this. I'm just really happy for him. And I hope more and more singles events come for him in the future. Absolutely. Moving into buy or sell. 
I'll read you a line. You let me know if you buy or sell. The first one being Mark Richards can enter the greatest of all time conversation after this season if he continues winning. Trey? It's just tough. Um, yeah. I'm going to sell it. And here's here's the one thing I'll say. The volume of titles available to players that at, at this stage in the development of Cornhole is significantly higher than what it was, right? This year, you're going to have as a pro an opportunity to win 20 different singles titles this year. Uh, right? Actually, 24, because you're going to have 16 opens plus the eight pro events, right? In back when Matt Guy was playing, like at, at the very start of kind of the, the foundation of the ACL, you had like eight, mm -hmm. right? And so the opportunity is significantly less. So yes, Mark Richards is accumulating all of these. But to me, I, I'm not going to enter anybody into that conversation until I see a five-year longevity. So even if Richards gets the number one right now, he may be the best, but I don't know if I can call him the greatest just yet. I'll sell it. Anthony? Yeah, I agree completely. And I think March Richards and, and a lot of the cornhole heads would agree as well. I mean, Matt Guy has a, a over two-decade history of being at the top of this game, but certainly – Mark Richards is on a path to be in that conversation long term. But uh, yeah, five years is a good mark. I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to sell as well. Gavin Cano is a top two doubles player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to buy it. Right. I mean, I think Eddie Grindersleeve still needs to get some recognition to what he's done with Caleb Batson, but I don't think it's an insult to say he's a top five or seven doubles player in the world, but I think Caleb Batson's number one, but I, I genuinely think right now, find me another player that's, that's playing better in doubles over these past three or four months. And I don't think you're going to find anyone other than Gavin Cano right now. He's done it with multiple different players. He yeah. did it with Mark Richards in an open last year. He's obviously done it with Fisher Hamilton. He's done it with Caleb Batson. He's done it with all these other players. And I think he's just, he just knows how to play doubles. So I'm, I'm going to buy it. Anthony. Yeah, I feel like we tend to look at those players that, I don't know if you want to call them the B player in the team uh, that we always look to as the doubles player or the player that just outperforms in doubles than singles. You tend to lean to them. Obviously, Fisher Hamilton's one hell of a doubles partner, but we don't talk about him because he's also great at singles. Um, I, I would buy. I mean, maybe Kyle Malone is in that discussion as well if we said who would who would compete with that? Again, we're talking about a guy that does better in doubles than singles, which blows my mind too, because I, I feel like Kyle Malone should be a top five, six guy too, but we just don't see that over, over history. So I'm going to buy. Gavin Cano's killing it in doubles right now. Matt Guy's conference win means he's on track to have a bounce back season. Um, I'm actually going to sell it. I don't know if a conference event in that style and in that group is going to necessarily Bingo. immediately reflect that simply because if I look at the mid South from top to bottom, the type of players that I generally see very successful are very offensive players. Hmm. So Matt guy had to out offense offensive players, which is exactly what Matt guy does best, right? What I need to see is I need to see Matt guy, go through a Caleb Batson, a Fisher Hamilton, a Gavin Cano, and come out on one of those tournaments with a win. And that's when I believe that's when the tide can really turn. Mm -hmm. Anthony? Dude, as soon as you read that, I haven't seen these questions yet. So as soon as you read it, the first thing that came to my mind is exactly what Trey was saying. Trey, Trey's a freaking goat at this stuff. Um, 
the first thing that came to my mind is what he was saying. Exactly that. The type of players in that pool, and we know Matt Guy's kryptonite is not someone who can try and run bags with him. It's somebody who is going to impede his line to the hole, however you do it, staying around the hole. We just don't see that a lot in that conference, so I'm going to sell. Jacob Gore should still be viewed as the top under 18 player. Yeah, I had to buy this. I, you know, to me, this is someone's got to go take it from him. Um, right now, the guy was top 10 for the entire year. Right now, I'm not counting. And no, remember, Fisher Hamilton, Caleb Batson are not eight under 18 anymore. So we, you know, I'm kind of saying that it's good. Okay, this is still can count. But to me, Jacob Gore is is still the best. Yeah, sure. You want to feed me Sammy Soto? I get it. You want to feed me? Uh, you know, Braden Wilson, Ryan Trader, Ryan Trader's winning stuff back to back. Fine. Keep it. Jacob Gore has earned it. And until you take it from him, he needs to be able to hold that title. I'm, I'm yeah. going to buy it. Anthony. Such an easy buy. I don't even need to explain it. That That is a buy all day. Great players coming in at U18, but easy buy right now. Steven Bernisett can have another 2021 Cinderella story this year. Yeah, see, again, this is kind of tough for me just because I kind of view it in the same realm as Matt Guy. It's like if Matt Guy runs bags a lot, I think Steven Bernasette is really well known for running bags and hitting airmail. So, like, to an extent, do I think he can go out there and win, like, a pro event again? It's like, that would be really difficult. It pains me. I'm going to sell it. I just... I think he can get close. He got close at one of the events this past season, but eventually just ran into somebody who could, who could out, out, out duel him. And so I'll, I'll, I'll unfortunately sell. I want him to, I'm rooting for him. Cause like Anthony said, I love the guy, but I'm going to sell for now. Anthony. I have to split uh, the sell as well. And it goes back to the style of play. I ha- I'll have a hard time buying on any player that has only an offensive game. Uh, Cause if you look at it, when you get to the bottom eight guys, these bottom eight guys in a tournament, they're they're all going to be dirty style players, maybe one bag runner, and it's going to be Damon Dennis or Matt Guy, one of those two, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's just his kryptonite is, is there's so many players that have that in the bottom. It's really hard to buy on any, any bag runner at this point in the game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I mentioned that we have another Open coming up. Open number four is happening this coming weekend, November 17th through 19th in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we've got a pretty loaded squad showing up for this event. Uh, Trey, who are you looking out for? Yeah, so on the single side, well, first of all, this open is loaded. It is absolutely loaded and borderline national level loaded. Um, I go through the list. A big theme that Anthony pointed out right before the show. There's a lot of people playing with weird partners. There's a couple committed pro partners but there's a lot of mix and matches. So I'll let Anthony go through a lot of those. I'm going to go through just some ones that I'm necessarily watching in general. Um, one, I want to see who the Cobb brothers are this year. Tyler, you know, two years ago playing with Kyle Malone was a great doubles partner. They did a, They had a, some deep runs. They won some brackets, like really good player. You know, Tice, three years ago, won an open. Tubby, a year and a half ago was contending top 15, top 20, you know, finishes at some of these pro national events. Didn't have the best year, but I just want to see them 
continue that journey, right? And continue to get better. So I've actually got my eyes on the Cobbs um, going into, into this event. Next up, I have Jamie Graham. Jamie Graham for me, um, I just don't know what to think of him right now. I watched him at the conference and it was fine, but it was just fine. And nothing I saw out of him like blew me away. But then like, he just won a world championship like three months ago. Like I, I just don't even know what to think about Jamie Graham. Like you tell me he finishes zero and two this weekend. I'd not. I, I'll be a little bit surprised. But like sometimes he does what he does, and if he wins the whole thing, I guess I'm not surprised. He just he's such a wild card for me right now in Graham. I just don't know what to think. You know, I don't know. Caden Allen. I think this is a really good opportunity now that Caden Allen has that pro label for him to come in and assert that this rookie class belongs to him. If you had asked us who the top pro out of the rookie class was going to be a year ago for this season, everybody would have said Caden Allen, and it's not close. Now there's at least some debate. You got Ryan Trader starting to chirp, not chirp, but you got Ryan Trader starting to build some momentum over here. Jeremiah Ellis comes with a lot of hype. Sammy Soto has been there, done that. This feels like one of those opportunities where Caden Allen can come in and shut everybody up and remind them how good of a player that he is, especially with this level of a stacked field. Finally, on the women's side, I think this is going to be a really good opportunity to see Zoe Gann in action. She's got that pro-level status. We know Cheyenne's going to be here. I don't expect her to win, but I want to see if she's going to be a really strong female on the pro roster that she makes progress in building in that direction. I talked about Zoe would have kind of that nervous Nelly first half of the year as a pro. I again, expect to see it, but I do want to see her at least make some progress and start to build on that moving forward. Um, only other teams I'm looking at that are not in these mix and match that Anthony is going to hit on Smith and Richards still on the clock to win this open TikTok. Let's go TikTok. Um, Hunter Thorne and Jake Gore. You just heard me talk about Jake Gore. This is going to be a really good opportunity to see how, what that ceiling is for this type of team, because it is kind of a weird team in my eye because they're from opposite ends of the country. They're not going to get to practice a lot together. So this is one of those opportunities. And then finally, Tanner Halbert and Jacob Trzinski. Is this a top 25 team or is this a top eight, top five team? I have no idea. And I'm not expecting them to win the whole thing or win a bracket just yet. But just like I was talking about with Zoe Gann, I want to see progress. They're kind of feeling each other out, figuring it out personality-wise. I want to see more progress. I want to see a top three finish in a bracket from this team. And I think that's a fair and completely reasonable goal to have. Absolutely. Anthony, how about you? Who are you looking at? Yeah, just to kind of feed off what Trey was saying to start my uh, analysis here is I think you're Halbert Trzinski. I want to say you had them around 10 maybe in your top 10. I think yep. it was close. So I see where you're coming from. And I had them just outside of top 10. So I completely agree. Uh, we need to see these guys make a move. Um, yeah, maybe just to talk about some of the, the partnerships uh, that Trey wasn't mentioning. Uh, let's start with some committed pro partners. Again, I got a close eye on Felix Gar Vargas and Jaime Sanchez. Just to see how they do this year. Um, I know, you know, Sanchez coming off of AJ Sims had a little success earlier, then kind of fell off. Um, we talked a little bit with those on there with those boys on their podcast. Felix Vargas now looking to Jaime Sanchez as kind of that mentor, you know, help him kind of 
with his experience in the game. I'd like to see these guys be successful. Um, Gavin Hammond and Jackson Remick, let's throw an amateur squad out there. We just saw Jackson Remick, uh, you know, win a big tournament in singles. They both, as a partnership, made a really good run in doubles as well. This could be one of those dark horse teams where you just don't see come coming from anywhere, maybe end up in a bracket final. Um, we are going to get a look at Isabella Soprenit. I mean, if this roster is legit and it's accurate, we're going to see the first look at Isabella Soprenit that we've had in a long time with her committed pro partner, Caleb Franklin. And I think together, they're both very talented, play the same type of game, bad chemistry, you name it. I think that they could be successful. And as a co-ed team, one of the most successful in the league period. I think they could end actually threaten number one. Um, let's look at some team mix-ups. Um, it gets a little weird. You know, you got Ryan Wiedenfeld playing with a young Hayden Morris, who's really, really good. Uh, Logan Chamberlain is not playing with J Justin Burton Jr., who's in the tournament. He's playing with Noah Almanza. I think that they'll play really well together. Now on opposite uh, uh, bag sponsorships, but Noah Almanza, I assume he's going to go to a wizard or a, a carpet style bag and play that with him. So then wh where does that leave Justin Burton Jr.? Oh, I'm going to go grab Fisher Hamilton. Uh, so obviously one of the teams that could threaten the win here, they're in our doubles top 10, singles top 10. That's probably one of the toughest teams I see on the list right now. Um, who else we got here mixing it up? Jeremy Frazier with a guy I don't know. Um, Jackson Gore and Zach Shibner. I think that one could be kind of fun. Um, he, you know, I'd like to see players that I feel are on the verge of breaking out, playing with an elite level player. I shouldn't say elite anymore. Playing with one of the top players in the game right now. I love to see that because when we see those players hover around 25, 30, when they play with a really, really good partner, they tend to play better and you can see what they're capable of doing. Um, are they capable of being a top 10 player or do they just crack under the pressure? So I love seeing like uh, 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 partnerships like that. Um, I like that we're getting modeling and Graham. I know that's not, that's a committed pro partnership, but I want to see as much modeling and Graham as I can this season. Uh, just because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not betting on them to be a top 10, barely top 15. I think I have them in like 16, 17. So I want to see if they are a top 10 team or not. Hunter Thorne and Jake Gore, another weird one. Uh, we're going to get some Verona uh, and then Batson and Cono running it back. Uh, that would be awesome to see them actually run that one back again. And we talked about Cono being one of the best doubles players out there. So they're going to be tough. It might be a Cono Hamilton uh, versus Justin Burton Jr. Fisher Hamilton. That, that could be a good final. I'm so curious how that all happened. Like those six players that you mentioned that all kind of swapped, uh, uh, I guess, no Almanza snuck in that. But like, how did that happen? Like, who was the first? Yeah. I was like, I'm there's so much more. There's so much person. more. I just it's a, yeah, Jaden yeah, Ellis, Chris Kingsbury. Love that it's one. Just a just a weird, just a weird roster. I mean, yeah. There's like tw 30 of them. Yeah, I mean, there's more. You, Mish, Mish mean, keeps cutting I, it short. We need a two-hour show. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Mish, Mish is like taking strays now. Just from <laughs> And yeah, I, I, just, I'm just, just so curious about the, like the, the, the domino effect, like who was the first, and then how how it just keeps. Well, then I'll grab this person. Well, then I'll grab this person. Like, how did this all come into play? We don't know. Every time I look at this list, I see someone. I see someone different. Like even, I mean, this is a loaded field. It's a big you know? one. Jordan Power, Joe Nista, we didn't even talk about. I mean, it's it's, it's ridiculous. 
All right, moving on to contender or pretender. I'm going to give you a player's name and you let me know if you think that a player, this player can win a pro bracket in singles this season. The first one, Jeremiah Ellis. Uh, contender. Um, I think Ellis is a high profile rookie. I think he's got the tools to succeed. I think he's got all of those different shots. You have to have, as Anthony said, some level of defensive game to be able to succeed at this level. I think he brings that. He has the mentality. He's a fiery player. Um, rookie of the year to be determined, but, um, I think good enough to, to compete in a final four at one of these pro events. Anthony contender agree completely. Not only does he have all the shots, he has what it takes to win uh, from a mental perspective. We saw him come right out of the gate. I'm sure a lot of pressure. We've been talking about Jeremiah Ellis coming into the league for a long time at open. Number one, he came out, handled the pressure, looked confident. I like him as a player coming in. Uh, definitely contender. Blaine Rozier. Yeah, Blaine is someone I think is going to be on the fringe of a breakout player of the year type of mentality. Yes. Now, however, to be able to win a pro bracket, that's top four players on the day. I'm actually going to go pretender here. I think he's going to come close a couple times, but I don't think he's going to get completely over that hump. But you cannot win a pro bracket and still finish top Boom. 25, top 20. So ultimately, I'm going to go pretender. Anthony. Yeah. You nailed it on the, on the, you know, you could go a certain, certain wins and losses and still be one of the best players. I'm going to say pretender as well. And to Trey's point that that's not anything bad. We're talking about winning one of the five, you know, uh, pro events, but this kid's, I think he's always going to be hovering around winners, final losers, final constantly. He's going to be threatening those positions. Jordan Kimbrell. I'm going to go everything against what I just said. What? Um, here's, here's the odds. Here's the odds, Anthony. And here's what blows my mind. Jordan Kimbrell for three straight seasons. This is the fourth. He's already done this three years in a row. He's finished top 30. How does someone who's done top 33 straight years never win one once to me, that doesn't make that there, there's to me, the odds almost say he's got to win one at some point, right? Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think he's an underrated player. He's beating some of the best players. I'm going to go out on a limb. This is going to be my wild card pick. I'm going to say contender here. That he Stop can, playing. He's going to compete. Wow. He's going to win one this year. Okay, Anthony? Trey's lost it. Trey's <laughs> lost it. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't get to talk about this in singles a little bit. I'm going to talk about Kyle Malone for a second. Um, 2020, the 29th ranked player. 2021, the 21st ranked player. 2023, the 18th ranked player. Well, we won't talk about 2022 because I had a suspension in there. So that fits perfectly into that. You're talking about a guy who's been consistently top 30 and hasn't won a singles bracket. Kyle Malone has also not won a uh, pro singles bracket, if my memory serves me correctly. So... I think Kyle's in the same boat there, but I think he has a better shot at winning a singles. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. You can be the top 30 player year after year after year and never win a pro bracket. I'm going to say contender. Austin Cameron. Gosh, that one is hard. Um, is it? <laughs> you think it's, so you think it's yes. easier? Yes. Pretender all day. Wow, uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go pretender. Um, 
but he's got those he's got those stretches. I mean, look at what he did in mixed doubles at the World Championships last year with Maddie McBride. I mean, they at one point they were the two best players in the building. I mean, it wasn't close. Now again, it's a very small sample size. I get it, but there are flashes. There are flashes. I mean, I'll go pretender, but I I I think it's closer than what you what the, the, that you what than way you're you're portraying it. Okay. Anthony. Yeah, I don't think it's close. Um, now again, this this kid could take fourth in his bracket all season and still be a top twelve player. That that's possible to win a bracket. I just don't want to take away how difficult that is to do uh, to win a pro bracket. I just it's too early to say that for Austin Cameron. I'm going to say pretender. Jackson Gore. All right, so I watched Jackson Gore this weekend oh yeah what'd you get tell me tell me (laughs) i love this inside info he he looks back is he still wearing the thing on his on his on his wrist or no not that i could notice um he looks really really good love Um, it love i'm and and because of that i'm gonna go actually contender here i think he's he's it, it it almost pains me in a way that I am not going to get to see Jack and Jake play together this year. Like it's because 2022 was the Jack Gore show. 2023 was the Jake Gore show. And then they split and it, it, it almost bothers me because like, I really think that this team could be absolutely disgusting this year. Jack is playing really, really well. He had Jamie Graham. Well, first of all, I talked about Jordan Power having a really good, you know, run. Jack Gore had Jordan Power 20 to 0. Okay? And then Jordan Power scored like 8 points and got back into it a little bit and then Jack Gore put him away. And he was doing everything. He was running bags like crazy. He was hitting airmails. He was doing everything. So, you know, I still think Jake is going to be the better player. But I'm telling you what, Jack Gore is good enough to win one of these one of these brackets, and it would not shock me if he does it again this year. I'm going to go contender. He's back. Anthony? Uh, I love hearing this. I love hearing this. And we got a new Stevie Award this year, right, of – Comeback player. Comeback player of the year. Love it. I think that he would be a perfect candidate for that. Uh, I'm contender as well. I'm contender as well. Don't forget, this guy was 12th in his rookie season, I want to say. Talking about a player's yeah. top twelve. So if he's back, he's coming. He fin- back finished hard. fifth at Worlds. He got he, oh he had the gosh. king seat and got double dipped by Alex Rawls. Oh, not, I watched that not match this year. That match I mean, was not fire. this year. The year before, and and he had a shot. He had shots to win. Right. I mean, it, it was it was not like he got blown out in that double dip either. It was close. It was great game. Never forget that one. All right, it's time for hot takes. Trey, you got one? Yeah, I'm gonna ride that. Uh, I think. I don't know if it's gonna be a shootout. I don't know if, uh, or sorry, got to get the lingo right this year. I don't know if it's going to be a round limited format or the national format, but at one of the eight pro events, we will have a Jack Gore versus Jake Gore final. Ooh, ooh, I would love that. Here for it, <laughs> Anthony. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off of uh, the similar theme that I did last week. I, I, that ended up being pretty good. I got a lot lot of good conversation about it, and I was comparing two doubles teams, saying. One doubles team is going to finish better than the other. Obviously, the doubles team that shouldn't finish better was the hot take. And, um, you know, last week I was saying Gavin Cano and Caleb Batson would finish lower 
than Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Medenka. Um, I later got a message from Gavin Cano and was like, your hot take sucks balls, bro, or something like that, you know? So <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing this time. And I'm going to say, okay, we got a Jaden Ellis and a Chris Kingsbury. I love that very unique partnership. I say they finish better than these two players who have been at the top of the game, who have been top 10 at some point in their career. Jaden Ellis and Chris Kingsbury finish better than no Logan Chamberlain and Noah Almanza. Oh, wow. that is, that is a little, that was a little spicy. Yeah. I am going to double down. I picked uh, Gavin and Caleb last week to win. They did win. I say they go to, they do it again. Back to back doubling down. Back. Let's wow. go guys. We got this. All right. That's all we have time for. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Check out all the cornhole action this weekend. We'll see you next time.